welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh, yes. Thank you, big boys in the sky. We are back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, we've been on the road. We weary travelers have returned to our uh, our, our lovely home studios. Uh, we will be in person, Barton, pretty soon. Um, so, how, how? listen, we, we were going to get into uh, – I was at ACC Media Days. Barton was at Big Ten Media Days. He did a stop in at Notre Dame. We're going to talk uh, Notre Dame and Army and Navy and some other group of five uh, over under win totals. But first, we got to check in on our guy, Barton. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm, I I am road weary. I'm I'm a little bit. Uh, I feel beaten down a little bit. Uh, I am. Um, I was in I was in South Bend yesterday, and I had on Tuesday night in South Bend. I had the absolute worst meal I've ever had in my life, and I'm <laughs> I'm just like my gut is just like been swirling and just grinding ever since and so uh you know as 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 it goes in the in the world of a of a sports reporter as we are i guess um i guess sometimes you sometimes you get some some bad meals and uh it it, it, my wife's been feeding me all kinds of vitamins and pills ever since i've been home to try to get me back and back and check but i'm 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 grinding through it man I'm here. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to get after it. I'm ready to see you again, Chip. You know, we haven't talked in a while. Got a lot to a lot to dig into. It's like the reverse Andy Staples. Andy Staples comes back bragging about all the awesome meals he has on campuses. Barton tells you what jacked his stomach up. I need to. I, I if there's any like Notre Dame fans out there that want to give me the the spots that I need to hit next time I'm in South Bend. Please, by all means, because this this was not a that was not as 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 amazing as Notre Dame was. The food situation did not impress me. Okay, so I I need I need I need some tips for next time. Um. Okay, so let's uh, rewind to um. I was at the ACC football kickoff. Um, that was the end of last week. We're sitting here recording Thursday morning, so about a week ago. Uh, big. I, I was I was not expecting uh, a lot of um, a, a lot of big controversial storylines. In fact, I, I thought it was going to be downright boring. I was I wanted to hear from the players at Miami and uh, the Barton. The narratives that they were pushing were was nothing that should surprise you. You hate you know. We got a taste of success. Uh, we need to focus on finishing coming from players who lost their last three games in the last regular season game against Pittsburgh, the ACC championship game, and the bowl game against Wisconsin. You know, we, we need to focus on finishing. Mark Richt is talking about, you know, we're working on our depth so we can trust our twos and threes so we can stay fresher. You know, the taking the next step after sort of having your back moment, that, that was like, okay, cool, like, That'll probably be the big story coming from the coastal, but no. Larry Fedora, Lawrence Fedora, came crashing in with an agenda. So Barton, when you see oh, oh, from the outside, because I was there, I got to ask some of these follow-up questions from the outside. When you saw uh, Larry Fedora's comments about football being under attack, about the success of football being tied to the success of the country. Um, about some of the negative messaging against football that is coming from the outside and him feeling the need to defend it. When you saw this starting to swirl, what was your reaction? Uh, it, it looked unhinged yeah. to me. It was – and I – and like even the people that have come forward since and like defended his rant have basically said – well, Larry, he's right. It was he's right. You know, college. There is no direct correlation between football and CTE. There's, uh, you know, what correlation is not causation or or whatever the whatever the lines are that. But that's not what he said. He wasn't like we need to dig into the nuance of this and make sure we understand what we're talking about. He just simply said football is under attack, and and. And and I think that 
that's just like that's kind of irresponsible to mm. and, and and wrong like you can you can appreciate football love football want football to be to to continue to dominate our culture like it does and still be willing to acknowledge and look at studies findings the new information becoming available and making sure that our game adjusts appropriately so i i thought it was uh i thought it was kind of ridiculous i think i like i've i've the, the the idea that the the football that football is under attack is is that wasn't the first time that I've heard a coach say that. And one of my really good friends, actually, who's a coach, used that line recently. And I I disagree with that, but I also, in that sense, like I do understand that a football coach, given all the sort of um all the all the talking heads out there and all all the uh, talking points about concussions and should we let our kids play and all this stuff. I can see how a football coach would be very defensive, but you are the head coach of the University of North Carolina, and you are you. No one asked you, but like you basically presented this, right? And like I, I just think you should be a little bit more responsible uh, with your phrasing and 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 message because I, I don't think that that I don't think that what I thought what he said was clumsy and frankly kind of ignorant and then there were uh not one but two different times that there was an opportunity to clarify and he just doubled down now um I will say there were some things that came out during the the midst of these two or three discussions or rants or whatever you want to call them that I want to make sure Larry Fedora does get credit for. Um, or at least that he is credited as having presented this as well. He is uh, a big supporter of no tackle football before middle school. Uh, the University of North Carolina was one of the first football programs to put sensors in the helmets and one of the leading uh, centers for concussion research study in sports is at the University of North Carolina. Um, you know, Larry Fedora is a coach who, interestingly enough, um, you don't always associate his style of football with hard smash mouth, you know? I mean, we're talking about the guy who's uh, got his quarterback in shotgun on third and goal from the three-yard line. So it was was an interesting uh, person to do it, but... You know, I, I kind of felt the whole time as as he's going into this, I was like, man, if you were saying this same thing uh, five miles down the road at the Charlotte Airport Marriott to a room full of high school coaches, you're getting a standing ovation. Right. And this no, was just right. this was just not the audience, and this was not the time, and there was no storyline for that day when the Coastal Division coaches were there, and then all of the sudden that's it. And, you know, you go to another coach and you're like, Hey, you know, coach Fedora just said this. And he goes, Oh wow. You know, eyebrows go up. He said, he did. Oh wow. Do you want to comment on it? No, 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 no. And then like, it just becomes, uh, the story of the day. Now, why, uh, he's decided to make it the story of the day. I find it uh, very questionable, but I, I thought it was a misstep ultimately for this reason. All we talked about North Carolina in the ACC win totals, uh, all of those big games are at the beginning of the year. Uh, Cal, East Carolina, UCF, and Pittsburgh. If North Carolina's 4-0, we're not talking about those comments. If North Carolina's 0-4, we're talking about those comments a lot as the beginning of what could be a big slide in terms of where Larry Fedora stands uh, in the current pecking order right now. Well, and, and I want to touch on that, but quick point too is like, when when these people who are defending Larry Fedora's comments and Larry Fedora said this himself, like our game is as safe as it's ever been right now, and like you said, what they have chips in their helmets or they're you know he, they're making taking steps to make it safer. Well, why why are they doing that? They're doing that because of all the things we're learning about concussions and and the negative impact and and like the game can evolve without claiming that it's a barbaric you know, sport that we shouldn't be like it's it, to claim it's under attack. And then in the same breath brag about this, the progress that the game has made 
is completely contradictory to me. Um, but that said, you mentioned that early, that early start. In some ways, like this to me played like a like a Trump uh, sort of misdirection. You know, mm-hmm. like talk. Of, let's talk about uh, the NFL, so you won't talk about whatever you know scandal was just taking place uh, right next to it. Like Larry Fedora blew up about this uh, this concussion stuff, and meanwhile, the bigger story. And I think this this actually came out after the the media day. Selling the shoes story is, is the kids selling shoes. <laughs> yes. Because they're going to miss – there's going to be some significant suspensions for the first chunk of the season, which is, as you mentioned, a really important chunk. Like if you can get – I don't know what the number is in Vegas. I think that last I saw, the win total was off the board. Uh, but if you can get – if you can get the a, a decent – I don't know what our what our number was when we, uh, we were last five, talked about five it. Five or five and a half. I mean, if you can get that number, get take under, like go go hard on the under, because I I think at this point they're gonna be at I think they're gonna be one and three. That's my expectation in that first stretch, which means one and four. You know, once you get to Miami, that that's a as you mentioned, like with this backdrop, just sort of this kind of borderline sort of crazy rant yeah yeah, that's that's not that's not a great yeah and and that's the other thing is like uh i wanted to present it both sides if north carolina goes four and oh i don't think we're talking about the comments if north carolina starts one and four then it very much becomes like the starting point for this and uh and i think my expectation if i was to put my money down it's a lot more on one and four than it is on four and oh that's for that is absolutely sure but yeah uh, i don't know i mean you being a, a college football player yourself i wanted to to get your thoughts on that um the it's it was you know who had the perfect response this won't shock you at all dave clausen dave clausen said every single year i anticipate receiving new information that we can consider and then endorse changes and evolutions to our game yes he said we re he said we reevaluate it every single year based on the new information that's available yeah, that's all you got to do. Acknowledge that new information <laughs> is becoming available and that we will continue, continue, continue. You don't have to say we're scrapping everything. You don't have to say football causes brain damage. You know, you don't have to go that far. Just acknowledge we are learning. And he didn't, that, that wasn't what he, like, he didn't clarify that we just need to look at this with nuance. He just straight up said football's under attack. So anyways, we can, yeah, we can move on. on. (laughs) Um, all right. So you were at big 10. Um, you got to see your, uh, you know, just big, big fan, big fan of Scott Frost here on the podcast. What was, uh, what was coach Frost saying in person? Uh, same kind of stuff. So I'm big on, uh, I'm going to give you my rankings of the coach. So I, I actually got to have sit downs with, we caught, 10 of the 14 um good work uh we had big time by three you could probably guess the three uh the 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 did not the did not uh the did not shows were urban harbaugh d'antonio and then we missed fitzgerald but that wasn't that was on us not him um but i'm big on sort of who like how these guys present themselves and like their presence and their demeanor and their and their messaging and so i, I kind of my quick ranking here last to first in terms of my my impressions like who is the most engaging and and i think the most impressive holding a holding court uh 10th chris ash 9th dj durkin 8th kirk ferentz 7th tom allen and all these are pretty impressive here on out six jeff brom fifth Paul Chris, fourth James Franklin, third surprisingly like I I really liked Lovey Smith. That, that beard, was one of my favorites. Boy, that yeah. beard looks good. Two PJ Fleck, and one our boy, the man crush Scott Frost. Um, Frost was he was you know he just continues to. I mean it's the same thing. It's 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 regurgitation of the same message that he presented at his opening presser. 
Um, you know, look, they're going to get tougher, but they're also going to run an offense that's that is really effective. There was a there was I'll say that the difference here is like there was a kind of a quiet confidence, and not even like it, it was a subtle but clear confidence in what he's going to be able to build at Nebraska. Um, and so I think that, you know, I think the one line that was most telling is he was like, you know, people better get us now because we're going to get, a, we're going to keep getting better. We're going to get a lot better. And it was sort of, it wasn't like a, it, it felt real. And so I think that, um, and I talked to him a little bit about this. I mean, they have, they do have probably a, a much, they're much more equipped for success than people realize early on, given some of the, the offensive uh, personnel that he inherited. I mean, the receiver position is loaded, particularly for an offense like his. They've got quarterback options. The offensive line is good. They've got some guys at running back, including a Juco transfer that can help. So I, I, I'm pretty optimistic that this is, at the very least, a bowl team seven and five ish if they get up to eight and four i wouldn't be you know i would not be surprised wow do uh is is scott taller than you or do you have an inch on him uh we're about i don't know i, I may have a, i may have a little edge on him but we're, we're about the same height yeah you're, you're probably one of the only journalists that can occupy the air up there looking at him eye to eye <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Big Ten media. Uh, a lot of Big Ten media in the sub six feet range. That's right. Yes, there are. the The other one that was uh, the, so the two other like kind of interesting like Urban Meyer. It was bad timing because he had to fire Zach Smith the day before mm. the receivers coach because of domestic violence issues. But he did not handle that well. It was a bad look. He he sort of. He he questioned whether an incident even took place. He acknowledged at one point that that this becoming public did play an impact or, or play a role in the firing taking place. Now, I mean, obviously it did, but it's you know it it it's not a great look to acknowledge like that he may still be here if 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 not for the the information going public. Um, me and Shelly tried to play counselors as yeah. this. Yeah, it was just, it was just, a, I mean, and it was, look, there was no way it was going to look good, but, um, it wasn't, it was, and, and I, I mean, and he was clearly just, I mean, just trying to get in and out. Um, but, but I think that, you know, Ohio state has got a lot of, um, I mean, they, they, it would have been a lot of stuff to talk to him about just in terms of how the offense is going to look different. And, and uh, it, it's in some ways, it's a little bit disappointing that we had to kind of get sidetracked by that stuff from a from a presser comp, uh, standpoint, because I would have been curious to kind of get a little into his thoughts on on some of the more football side of things for him. Mm. And, and at Ohio State, too. I mean, you're just you're not you're not going to have that story and that school and especially that coach uh, because it basically recycles all of the like all or anything that still might be lingering or might uh, have washed away from his time at Florida. It's really well, easy is, like, to pull I, it back I, this, up. My sense is that that Ohio State, just in looking at the way they've recruited, they have really – it seems like turned it up on really seeking out high character guys, really selling more than just football to them and, and sort of trying to create a, an environment that is, is about life skills, about life after football, about internships, about, and, and building a roster that's full of guys that are sort of more that, that aren't sort of character question marks. And, and so even as he's doing that, you know, this pops up and, and it sort of negates all that effort. Yeah. And Zach Smith has been one of Ohio State, correct me if I'm wrong, one of Ohio State's better recruiters on staff last he couple has, of years. But at the same time, there, I, th I think that there's fair questions as to the way that the receiving core has developed at Ohio mm. State. Yeah. You know, like those yeah. guys haven't gotten – as much better as I think that they should. Like ultimately Michael Thomas is probably the best that's come out. 
in the last four years? Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe we missed. I mean, there's, there's like a few, a few guys get drafted, but it's just like. Well, yeah, I'm saying like they get drafted as prospects. You they know, they get like, drafted. Michael Thomas is the only one of that crew that I can say uh, for sure. I feel like has has made the transition to the next level. Right. Right. Um, all right. So then you went on to Notre Dame. Got to spend yeah, some so time I with the to Irish. Do the Notre Dame. Uh, I wanted to do the Notre Dame win totals from South Bend just to let like the the air waft over me and kind of sort of get me in a, the right state of mind to win some money. Um, but I think I, I still think I've got a little bit of the of the Newt Rockney dust on me uh, <laughs> following the trip. So I th- I, got, I feel pretty good about uh, about my my chances making some money on Notre Dame. All right. Um, well, we only have but so many win totals left. How sad is that? I guess it's going to be about time for a for a for a camp buzz. Camp buzz. All right. So you uh, you want to jingle this up? Let's do it. As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like I can't even. Count them up. I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are gonna win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not not on there. It's not not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Win total that we're using right here from the Westgate Superbook set at nine and a half. Ooh, that's a good number. Mm. I mean that's that's what it is. Is they're, they're gonna? I mean, that's a good number. Um. So the the I think it's it starts with Michigan Notre Dame Michigan opener. So much fun. Um. The the winner of this comes out of it feeling like they got a signature win that could take them to the college football playoff. The loser potentially in panic mode right off the bat. So. Who are you giving that game to? I'm giving it to current. Like, I'm giving it to Michigan right now. Me too. But, I, might, I mean, yeah, we've got plenty of time to change it before like our CBS Sports Expert picks or Week right, One locks. Right. But in terms of the way that I counted up my Notre Dame win total, um, I I gave Michigan and Stanford as losses. Are those the only two losses? Hmm. No, but I mean, those are the ones that I feel certain about. So I did. I'm. I've got Michigan. I've got Notre Dame losing the first game to Michigan and the last game to USC. Um, and obviously, I mean, they, there's other losable games on the schedule. It's a weird schedule in the sense that there's really not an e- an easy game on no. it. No, maybe maybe Ball State, but there. But then, as you look at and if you if you look at each game in a vacuum, like. I could see a scenario in which Notre Dame is favored in every game of the season with the exception of Michigan. I assume they're not favored in that one. I don't think so Uh, right now. But uh, I could see them favored in 11 of 12 games. And so in a vacuum, like it's all, they're all winnable. It's just the fact that there's really no reprieve. There's no rest. So here's my, here's my take on Notre Dame. Here's my sort of my, my Twitter, my tweet. Size take 140 characters. This is the same. This is sort of the same team as last year. Almost. That was almost the same team. Yeah, almost. And and it's in some ways it could be better, and in some ways it could be worse. Because like, it's still. All right. So the offensive line, you you lose all those guys to the NFL. And that's that that shouldn't be diminished. And yet the guys that are stepping into play are still really good. Like this is still legitimately one of the very best offensive lines in the country. So so offensive line remains a strength. Quarterback is is the same. The same quarterbacks are back. Same guys that were inconsistent last year. Yeah, you still got Wimbush and you still got Book. And that's so that's all the cards you can play. Right, so you can look at it as a that's a that could be a positive a negative 
because quarterback play was kind of the problem to a certain degree. Or it's, or you could look at it as a positive in that, like, all right, we still think these guys have ability and they should be better. You're too a chip long. Uh, you're too with experience. So, and then you've got, and, and they lose uh, Equinemia St. Brown. And 33. Yeah, I mean, that's the big one. That's and the, the but, same. I agree. But go ahead. But I think, like, they still have, like, Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin are huge physical receivers on the outside. So, like, those guys are still can still give you everything that Equinemia St. Brown could give you. Alize Mack is, has apparently taken a huge step forward at tight end. They've got, like, three tight ends that are good. So, offensively, like, again, with the exception of running back, and I think they're just – they got to find a guy. It's sort of the same offense as last year. A little better in some areas, maybe a little worse in some areas. It's just kind of the same offense. And then on the other side of the ball – Pretty much everyone's back. He had nine starters back in the second year in different D coordinator, but same same basic system. And so that you should think will be improved. And then I think the big the big factor too is this is also the second year with their strength coach Matt Bayless, who is I think is is supposedly really really good, and that was one of the big issues prior to Bayless coming when they sort of took that dip was strength, the strength program. And so if you think that like now over the last two years, Notre Dame has really been developing and these guys are, are getting stronger and better and bigger and, and more physical and, and tougher mentally. Then I think all of a sudden you look, can look at this team and say, okay, yeah, they lost the running back and they lost the first round offensive lineman but they're a program that's still going that still has guys stepping in and is developing the right way. So what there's no reason to think they can't be as good, if not a little bit better than last year. Does that make sense? I, I don't think they can be at because the Notre Dame at its best last year was headed to the college football playoff. N- Notre Dame at its best. But does anyone ever believe that? I just I think that there was uh there was a point in the middle of last season and like a, I had to go back week to week to kind of really reflect on it because they finished 10 and 3 which seems right for the way that you know they performed as a whole but there was there were times where Notre Dame at its and again because you mentioned the inconsistencies I think the inconsistencies go throughout their performances I mean the, this was I think right before they got smoked 41 to 8 at Miami like you were looking at Notre Dame, you're like, wow, you know, they go into Miami, they win that game, and and you were starting to string together a path where Notre Dame was was looking like they could make it to the college football playoff, and you know, I think a lot of that, I, I think that recapturing that level is going to be very hard, but I think another ten win season isn't crazy. Now at at nine and a half, I'm going under. I think nine and three is is the record. Uh, Michigan, Stanford, and or just a road loss somewhere. You know, we talk about the inconsistencies along the way. I mean, they, you know, you all of a sudden slip up against one of your ACC opponents, uh, lose to USC. I, I think they get Florida State. That was one that I remember when I was doing Florida State's win total. I've got Notre Dame over Florida State, but, you know, I just, I don't think that there is, uh, I think that the defense is the strength of the team and, that is going to be make every game close. And while last year changed the narrative of Notre Dame losing close games, which might go back to your strength and conditioning note, it's a very good one. You know, last year was finally the end of uh, Brian Kelly's Notre Dame teams all, always blowing it in these close games. I think every single game is close because of the defense. But if we're if we're splitting hairs, I'm just leaning a little bit more towards the Michigans, the Stanfords, the USC's and the potential that Notre Dame slips up somewhere. 10 and two is not crazy at all. I do think nine and three is more likely. It's a, it's not a, it's not a uh, enticing line to play. It's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not one that I want to go run to the window to bet, but I lean 10 and two because I, I actually think that they could beat Michigan week one. Like that's, I've I've got Michigan winning right now, 
but I could change my mind, and I think it's it's a, it's very easy to talk yourself into Notre Dame winning that game at home, particularly. But if you just go through the schedule, then all right, you got Ball State and Vanderbilt, which you would expect to be wins. Right. You got at Wake Forest, which is you know that's not you can't just blow that game off, but that's that should be a win. That's a win. Then you got Stanford, and they are. I mean, it's that's a home game. It's that'll be a, that should be a good matchup, a competitive game that's winnable. At Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech is is all of a sudden like losing all kinds of guys left and right to injuries and to academics, and I just this feels like a step back year for Virginia Tech. So I think they win that, win Pitt. I think they beat Navy. So like the way I look at this, like at first glance, I'm like, oh man, this schedule is just and there's man, this is a tough schedule. But then when you look at it on a game by game basis, if if I mean I expect them to beat Northwestern, and then you get so so basically to me it's Michigan, it's Stanford, it's Florida State and USC, and and three of those four games are at home, and they beat USC 49-14 last year. So I guess. If you really cons- if you really look at Notre Dame as a top tier team, even if you're not saying like they're a playoff team, but if you look at them as a top, their talent twelve team yeah, in their, college football, their talent says that they should be easy. They should be a top ten, top twelve team. Yes. Yeah. If you look at them in that framework, then to me, it's a pretty manageable stretch. And I mean, obviously, all this is either squashed or. Or, 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 you know, I'm, I'm even further convinced that they're going to, you know, if, if, some, if, if Brandon Wimbush is really good, then obviously that changes the whole narrative. Like if he comes in and he's improved and he's developed as a passer, then, you know, all bets are off. They could win every game. But, but that's not part I, of my calculus. That, that's not part of my calculus either. No. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't mean to laugh at the young man. Uh, I just – it's it's not a not a step I'm I'm willing to take um, yep. on Brandon Wimbush. I mean, because like I imagine like the Navy game. What if like what if Notre Dame just like can't get a first down, and then all of a sudden their defense gets worn out, and Navy's just able to hold the ball? Yeah, they could. I mean, that could happen. But um, but I. I like I said, any of these games are losable. How long has Drew, uh, Drew Tranquil been in college football? Seven years? Eight years? Yeah, he's been there a minute. I mean, that's like they got Jerry Tillery Jerry Tillery's back. another Tran- one. I love that Jerry dude. Jerry Tillery, Drew Tranquil, Tavon Coney, all really like could have been gone. Yeah. Uh, and they all came back. And so I think that that's, I think that's pretty, uh, I think that's important. You know, they got a lot of leadership on that defense so it, it's it's a team like that I liked I like a lot more than I thought I would once I dug into them a little bit. All right, so I'm going under nine and a half. Barton going over. Now we're gonna take it to Army, and this is uh, I I don't know how long it's been since Army has had a higher win total than Navy in Las Vegas to start the year, but Army with half a win more. We'll start with the uh, the Knights, seven and a half wins. Army does play Oklahoma. But Barton, I'm looking at Army's schedule, and I think Army could win every game but Oklahoma. Not saying they will. I'm just saying that it has been a long time, and it's crazy for me to think that the distance that has been closed between Army and sort of, I guess, your average Power 5 program, uh, it's impressive, and certainly Coach Monken deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, But seven and a half wins for Army, I'm going over. Uh okay. I I don't have a pick for Army. I haven't dug into Army. I've got some other group of five teams I like. I could see that though. I I mean, you know, they. I agree that they could certainly win every. And I think Jeff Mockin is the real deal. Um, I mean, defensively they bring back a lot. I, I they they sort of re. They have to. You know, bring in reinforcements at offense, but that's. This is an offense that obviously can do that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'll uh, I'll ride with you on that one. I, I feel better about that the over than the under. Yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at uh, Duke, Liberty, Hawaii. Could I mean 
I'm, I'm guessing that you go two and one there because just because I'm picking Duke at home, Buffalo is not an easy game, but uh, winnable. San Jose State, that's a that's a little bit of a trip, but Army should win that. Miami of Ohio should be a win. Eastern Michigan should be a win. I don't know what to make of Air Force this year, but I mean, yeah. I, all right. So, uh, do you have a Navy pick? I don't have a Navy pick. I've okay. got I've got some other AAC picks though. All right, I've got to. All right, so you what what AAC? Where do you want to go here? All right, so I'll start with I'll, I'll start with Houston. Their number, I believe, is like eight, eight and a half. Do you Se- have it in front of you? I've got it seven and a half. Oh yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've got uh, it over. <laughs> Are you over too? Uh, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm over. I'm over on Houston. So. I, and and this is, you'll see like this this is actually I might as well just just uh, pair these two up. So I also have under off for FAU. Uh, Ooh. And they're 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 kind of related. All right. So I mean, Kendall Bryles is the new offensive coordinator at Houston. He was the offensive coordinator at FAU. Make no mistake, Lane Kiffin has his fingerprints all over the offense at FAU. But I think Kendall Bryles was more involved and more important to their success offensively last year at FAU than people realize. I think he's going to be really a, a really critical addition at Houston. Also, when they started playing Derek King last year at quarterback, they were a lot better on offense. He comes back, just this little 5'11", you know, jitterbug at quarterback oh, is gonna oh you mean the guy plays. who's uh the guy who's the leading returning passer rusher and receiver for houston right right <laughs> like that guy's gonna touch the ball every yeah. play yeah so that makes me feel better obviously you got ed oliver um i mean they're returning five starters on defense so it's not like they're just they're they're they've got the whole group coming back but then like not not included in that is a guy like deontay anderson who is a top 100 recruit that sat out last year at Ole Miss just to make sure he retained eligibility for when all the S hit the fan. Um, that was and, smart. And yeah, yeah. And so now he's now he's at Houston, ready to roll. Didn't didn't have to sweat out any sort of uh, um, transfer. Uh, uh, appeals and so now he's he's he'll be still. I just think this team is going to be really good, and I think that this the, the coordinator addition is going to be really helpful. I think Ed Oliver is going to be dominant as always. I just like Houston behind Derek King to uh, uh, to rattle off some wins. And and on the flip side, I think that FAU. Keep in mind, not only did they lose Kendall Bryles, but they also lost Chris Kiffin, the defensive coordinator. They hired. Charlie Weiss Jr. at offensive coordinator, who's like 24, and he's supposed to be this wonder, you know, this this boy genius, and I'm sure he is. Little schematic and, advantage, yeah, baby schematic I, advantage. I, I'm, I am. When I was 24, I was blacking out and fighting bouncers. <laughs> I, the, the, I need I, that I'm clip. sure Charlie Weiss Jr. is a lot more. That's that's more of a probably commentary on me than uh, than Charlie Weiss uh, Jr. because he's he's clearly more mature than I was. But 24 is young, man. Yeah, it's really young, and to just act like he's going to be able to step in for Kendall Browse, no problem, is pretty presumptuous. So, and I just think there was a little bit of like Kiffin fever last year. They just caught something special. There was that you know they were sort of the I, I think that things there's a there's a potential for things to start coming unraveled a little bit this second go around at FAU. So I'm I'm just going to sort of play the odds and and take the under on on FAU. I think that all right. So FAU has to go to North Texas, and that looks like the most. I think I might add a push to over, um, but I I like your theory here. Uh, at North Texas, I had them at, at a loss. I think they're going to lose to Oklahoma. I think they lose to UCF. And so the question is whether uh, the impact of the coaching changes, um, whether that drops them down 
to a level where they're beatable in Conference USA. Because by the time Conference USA play started last year, they were rolling. And they've still got Singletary, who's a tremendous yeah. running back. And like you mentioned, you still got Lane Kiffin's fingers on the offense, but uh that's something and to Kiffin, watch. And Kiffin is playing for a job this year. Like he's you know, if he wants a shot at LSU if that comes open or something, I mean he's gotta keep keep his foot on the gas. Um but I still think he's just hard to it's just he's it's just a scary, scary team to uh, to pick this year. I've also got the Houston over um, at Navy and at Memphis, I think are, are your two trouble spots. Um, I really like Memphis this year. And then Arizona, Texas tech, like they, I think one of those is winnable. You, you, you could come out of the Arizona, Texas tech non-con one and one. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at a Houston team, seven and a half win total, where I can realistically play it out and have it be nine and three. Yeah, I, I had a hard time. You talk about Memphis. I had a hard time figuring out what to do with Memphis because I agree with you. I think they could be really, really good. And I, and I, I, I really like them everywhere except quarterback. Yeah. They got to figure out a quarterback. And, I, and, and that could go either way. You could sort of frame that as, all right, Mike Norvell. If, if that's your only problem, then just Mike Norvell – he is. made he did make Riley Ferguson much more impressive than I remembered Riley Ferguson the last time I saw him at top level college football. Right, right. So like can he just sort of create offense regardless of who's quarterback? I don't know. We haven't I don't think we've Is it the know. old Arizona State guy, Brady White? Is that his name? Yeah, but he's but he hadn't won the job yet, I don't think. And uh and he's battling it might be Brady White to start the year, maybe David Moore as the year progresses. Um, but those are kind of the two that are battling. Um, so that Memphis number's at eight and a half. Uh, they get Houston and UCF at home. Houston at the end of the year. You know, UCF, I kind of found myself, you, UCF's number was at nine. I kind of found myself going push to under for the Knights, even though I really, really like Mackenzie Milton. They got two ACC teams on the schedule, though they are Pittsburgh and North Carolina. But then you also have got FAU at Memphis at uh, South Florida, a team that when they played them last year, it was like 49 to 42. So that game yeah. being a, a road game, I, I can I can see this being an eight and four year for the Knights. I could, too. Yeah, I, I didn't play that. I didn't I didn't pick UCF, but I could see that I would. I got the number was what did you say the number was nine? Yeah. Yeah, like I almost expected the number to be ten and then I was gonna go under, but with it at nine, it's just like uh yeah, it's maybe nine and three maybe sounds right. So I stayed away. I did I do like under for U USF though. Ooh. Where are your uh, loss? Do you have an Illinois loss on there? I I I, I mean I'm not penciling that in, yes. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if Illinois could could mess around and and make something like that happen. Um, I just think you know Quentin Flowers did a lot for them. Like he, I think he masked a lot. And if you, it's, it's especially when you think about like how how like there were times when like USF last year. I don't know if you remember this, but like I I, I made a lot of money fading fade USF. <laughs> And all because and, and, of uh, you were sitting in the hospital and you had to watch us the worst right. South Florida game ever. That's right. Yes. And that was uh, and, and so I just I don't have I still I don't know what happened to Charlie Strong after Louisville, but I don't really have the I don't really have the same faith in him that I once did. Uh, and so. I don't know. I just I, I think that they. You know they lose their they're replacing the quarterback. I mean maybe Blake Barnett turns into everything we thought he would be. Uh, they're replacing running back. They got a pretty good receiving core, uh, but they've got only five guys coming back on defense. I, I just think UCF USF is not. They're just not the powerhouse that they were built to be last year, honestly. And and I don't think that it's not going to carry over to them being some sort of powerhouse this year either. So. I like under there, maybe seven and five type of year. Uh, 
I'm looking at a USF number of eight and a half. So under, yeah. if you can still get it at eight and a half, uh, I will agree that does look tasty. Anything else from the AAC that you like? Uh, no, but I got a couple others outside the AAC. All right. Uh, which conference you want to go to next? Uh, how about the Mountain West? You got any You got any Mountain West plays? I got two Mountain West plays. Three Mountain West plays, though I don't feel as good about uh, my Fresno play. I got Boise, San Diego State, and Fresno. What are you playing on those? Um, which one do you want to start on? Boise, are you going over under? You going over? What is the number? Ten wins. Huh. I think it's eleven and one. San Diego State so, and Fresno State come to Boise. Um, Troy and Oklahoma State are like either one of those games could be lo- could be losses. Both of them could be losses. I uh, I think they could also win them both. I think that this is a year where Boise could knock off Oklahoma State. And I do I think that. that there's a there there's a little bit of a, a difference between Troy and Boise State. Just in terms, I know like they've uh, Neil Neil Brown right at Troy. Yeah, yeah. Neil yeah. Brown's done yeah. a great job with Troy, but uh, yeah, I mean those like Troy, Oklahoma State, San Diego State, Fresno State to me are the toughest opponents on Boise State's schedule. And again, getting those two conference foes at home and figuring that they split at worst between Troy and Oklahoma State, I've got Boise State eleven and one regular season. Uh, I could yeah, I I don't I don't hate that. Brett Rippin, like you know, like, I mean that's that, that's sort of been the consensus top best team in the group of five, and you know there's someone in the group of five that's going to be knocking on the door and being you know undefeated or borderline undefeated down the home stretch like so yeah i could see that what was your what's your boise what's my boise or what's my mountain west what's your mountain west what what do you have the mountain west numbers in front of you Uh uh-huh what is what do you have for wyoming oh i did not take my uh i got wyoming at six and a half yeah man that's a layup i'm telling you josh allen that's a josh allen era that's a that's a over layup. Wow. It's, I mean, is that all on Craig Bowl? Just like Craig Craig Bowl is a good enough coach that he can get any squad at this point to seven wins. Well, they, I mean, not just any squad. They've got nine starters coming back on offense and eight on defense. I think the Tyler Vanderwall kid's supposed to be pretty decent at quarterback. I mean, they've they've had two top six quarterbacks now i mean this 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 staff is, is is found two top six quarterbacks now between carson wentz and and josh allen tyler vanderwall six four two ten like he, he's in i mean what's to think he's not going to be good and then when you look at like that last year you know iowa put it on him first game of the year they were replacing all those guys that left and i mean a few of them were nfl guys oregon put it on them but beyond that like they they near i mean they took it to Boise. They gave Boise State all they could handle at Boise State. They they lost to Fresno State by six points. Like this is a this is a like this was a pretty good team last year, and it's a little bit crazy to me that they are like they're gonna. They'll, I, I bet you they beat Washington State. Yeah, I know the. I was gonna say because you got Washington State and Missouri. And so like, I don't think they beat Missouri. Right. Because, but, but I think, but yeah, I think they, like, I bet they go, they'll start three and one. As if, let's say they lose to, at, lose to Boise State, even though they get Boise State at home. So that, that could be one, that could be, that could blow up your over. For sure. Uh, they've got, so let's, let's call it three and two. Four and two against Hawaii. Let's just call it four and three against Fresno. Right. At Fresno is tough. Yeah. And then they got Utah State, who's who's a really good team, but they got them at home. So what do we have? Four and th- four and three uh, at Colorado State. They're, I just think they're better than Colorado State. Five and three, six and three. San Jose State, even though they lost to them last year, I think that was a fluke. Um, I missed a game somewhere. Seven and three against Air, Air Force. Eight and three against New Mexico. Like I, I think they could get to eight wins easy. Like so, I'm I'm. I'm feeling Wyoming. That's that's a really good uh, under the radar 
number because or take because you got to think some of the um adjustment on that is just a, a post Josh Allen yeah number, right which is flawed this could this we could see like a we could see like a Trace McSorley Penn State effect like the the post Hackenberg uh Penn State effect because let's be real like Josh Allen I mean was not a stellar he might have been a little bit overrated. Yeah. Like he might have been. Yeah. Uh, San Diego State is at eight and a half. I'm going under there, but that is uh, my losses being Stanford. I think Stanford gets San Diego State back for that terrible game last year at Boise at Fresno, and my swing game for San Diego State. Uh, if if you are fading Arizona State all across the board, well then maybe there's your over for San Diego State but yeah. if you like me have sort of come around on Arizona State uh, I think that's a loss and then if you include you know any other slip up along the way then you're down to seven and five so I got San Diego State under eight and a half figuring that's about an eight and four team probably yeah I just I, yeah I'm just scared to play it under on Rocky Long you know, he's just, pro- he's proven people wrong too many times. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you have that one. I'm just gonna stay far, far away. Uh you got anything from the Mac that you like? Yeah, I th- I think you got those numbers in front of you. Yeah. What you got on Buffalo? Six and a half. Yeah, give me give me over Buffalo. <laughs> give me se- give me seven or better. Like Buffalo, this was coming, man. Lance Leopold. It, remember, this is a guy that won six national championships, seven national championship games at a D3 program, Wisconsin Whitewater. Like, the guy knows how to build a program. I know it's different, but he knows how to how to manage a roster and build a program. And you look up in this at this Buffalo team. They got eight starters back on offense. Tyree Jackson is like, low-key one of the most productive returning quarterbacks in all of college football um you know like they've got they've got these some really like pretty good playmakers coming back and then again you look at sort of their the way they their season went last year i'm just looking at their schedule pretty good teams across the board so minnesota they played at minnesota and I don't know if you remember that game because it was first week, and like remember, like we're watching like every single game we right. could possibly get our hands on. Yeah. And that was one of them. And like Buffalo hung around and nearly beat Minnesota to like open the Fleck area. Um, Army, which in retrospect was a really good team, they lost by four. Uh, they beat FAU. Uh, they they lost to Western Michigan in seven overtimes. They lost to Nor- Northern Illinois by one point. Miami, Ohio is a pretty decent team. They lost to them by by 10 points. Akron, they lost by one. I mean, that's you don't ever lose to Akron, but whatever. And then they, you know, they went on a three-game win streak to close the year. So, you know, if if we're saying that they were close last year, and they went six and six, but if we're saying that they were close last year, and they've got a big six foot seven quarterback that threw for almost four thousand yards last year. Like, are Let's we not go. saying Lance Leopold is going to help them take a step forward this year and 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 you know win a few more of those close games? Well, Akron lost. Think, Akron won the division and lost everybody. They had like twenty five seniors that were all on that team and played a bunch. Akron's number is down to four. Western Michigan's going to be taking a step back as we move further away uh, from the PJ Fleck era. Like Buffalo's number is six and a half. God, Akron was good last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Akron had themselves a little moment last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Buffalo is the fourth, uh, team in the list and it's not a big, it's a, Ohio is at the top at eight and a half Toledo at eight and a half Northern Illinois at seven. And then there's Buffalo at six and a half, uh, Eastern Michigan and Miami of Ohio, both at six. Like this is a upper, uh, upper or near the upper tier team in the Mac. Like it is not crazy. Like the win total seems to be set as much on the non-con as it is where they stand within the conference. Right. And yeah. And, and, and so schedule wise, like they got to go to temple and to Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers better watch out army. Um, and they, they play Miami on a Tuesday. 
No, that's can't that surely that's Miami of Ohio, right? Yes. That is Miami yeah. of Ohio. That's yeah. a match yeah. on Tuesday. <laughs> Miami, Miami, Florida does not play Tuesday night games against no. Max typically. Uh yeah. So and then Delaware State. So yeah, like they probably like which which of those games is not winnable? Army. Of, I think I think all of them are winnable. I think Army and Temple right. are the toughest, probably. Yes. Yeah. But but Buffalo could mess around and win one of those games. You know, Khalil Hodges and his 154 tackles are back. Um, Anthony Johnson and his 1,300 receiving yards are back. I I I, I think there's a lot to like here. I think there's a value. I think there's value there. Buffalo, mark it down. Buff. Local local establishment doesn't even have those numbers up yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait closer to uh, the start of the season. Uh, I've I've got no max. Uh, my FAU for Conference USA. Um, I said I like your underpick. That's very good. I was going push to over, but um, they might have another loss there in conference play that I'm not taking advantage of in the Sun Belt. Mm, what do we think about Appalachian State? Eight and a half. Uh, I I haven't studied that Appalachian State, but if eight and a half feels low, it does feel it? low. We've there. It's been a lot of turnover. Um, you know, you lose Taylor Lamb after he'd been playing there for a long time at quarterback. So we'll uh we'll get to see what it looks like behind him. It's just uh, you know, like he was he was a four year starter. And he's like already, um, you know, going into the coaching ranks. I'm pretty sure he was a coach's kid. So a little bit of a step back, maybe. But even then, I mean, this is a team that's won a share of the conference title. I think either two out of the last three or all three of the last years. Um, I was I was tempted to go under here, but I'm sticking with over. Uh, is that your – so you're on – That that's – that's your play. That's my play. App State over at eight and a half. I think they finished nine uh, three. So I have uh, I got another CUSA play. All right, uh, what you got? I kind of like FIU. Isn't that number at like five and a half? Yeah, it's at five. So five. All right. So let's so, go, yeah, Butch. So so, so four. A, a losing ticket is four, and. Last year, they finished what seven and five regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, one, two, three, four, five, eight. So they're eight and four regular season. They finished eight and five. They finished eight and four regular season. And I know this is this is a team that could take a step back. You know, they lost a quarterback to the NFL. Uh, no, they didn't. They oh yeah, Alex would go. Um, so here's the deal. The, James Morgan, who's a grad transfer from Bowling Green, is, I think, really good. And I think Bowling Green, like, the, whatever, it didn't work out there. But I, I think Higa steps in and is a really good quarterback for FIU. And while they lost some, some dudes on defense, they also recruited really well in the junior college ranks. So they'll have some guys coming in ready to start right out of the gate. I think if you're looking at FIU to go four and eight, that's I, I think that this is a this is what year only the second year under Butch Jones. So, but he's had a little bit of time to to build things out. Um, if they lose, if they go like you know two and one to start against Old Dominion, UMass, Indiana, okay, three and two with Arkansas Pine Bluff at Miami, and then you've got MTSU Rice. At Western Kentucky, Florida Atlantic. If you go even two and two there, then you're already at you're already at potential. You're already at five. Then you just got to win one more. UTSA Charlotte Marshall. I just think that that's a very manageable task. Mm. So I like I, I, like, I like a good Butch Davis play. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Um. All right. I, I I'm trying to. There's a. Let's see. I had a Temple. Temple under at BC at Houston at Navy at UCF South Florida. It's a tough, it's a tough, uh, tough road to hoe for, uh, for the owls, Jeff Collins. 
What is their number? Six and a half. And you're going under? Yeah, I think it's a six and 16. Yeah, could be. It's tough. You, yeah, you you draw Houston it's, and Navy it, from the other that's division. Such a brutal, co- it's such a brutal conference. I mean, there, you know, there's a lot. Like even if you think about like that that conference, like Willie Fritz is going to keep getting better. Like that, it's it's hard for me to see them being five and seven again. Um, you know, that even um, Philip Montgomery at at Tulsa, like they took a step back last year. But how long is that going to? You know how long is that going to last? Like they're going to get better again, um, and then you know, and I just think across the board, like there's just a when in a conference where there's really where a lot of teams are very s- sort of occupying the same te- space yeah. in like yeah. the yeah, yeah 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 a lot of teams could be yeah they're all kind of on the like all within a touchdown of each other it it makes it. It, it makes it tough on a team like Temple to be, you know. But I mean, I don't know. Like, if I'm betting on USF to go under, and you're betting on Temple to go under, I feel like both of those aren't going to hit, are they? No, I've got, I'm a little bit higher on USF, uh, but not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not cashing my checks with it. You know, yeah. uh, I think that in the American Athletic Conference, Cincinnati, Tulsa, UConn, and ECU are your wins. And the question is, within an eight-game schedule, how many of those do you have on your rotation? A lot of them are in the East, which is helpful um, to teams that are in the East. But the the team that so the American Athletic Conference had their media days this week, and from what I was reading from the reporters on the ground, the one team that most pretty much every coach is terrified about right now is Tulane, just with the idea that it's been another year. For Willie That's Fritz to saying. install his offense, I, I thought about taking over on them because this—I think they're at just five and a half. Yeah, just can Tulane get to a bowl I game? Just, yeah, sure. yeah, just purely on betting on continued improvement. I, I, I kind of like—I kind of like Tulane. Okay, so I, this is these are some. That, I felt like I was picking all the teams at the top. I think that you might have the eye on the real value. Wyoming, Buffalo, FIU, Tulane. That's a hell of a four-pack, a group of five uh, locks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I also, yes. And I also have my USF under. USF under. Yeah. Um, I, feel, I feel pretty good about, my, about our, our, mat, our uh, group of five spread. What's the? I, just, uh, I might just group of five, like uh, just just throw out a um, index fund of group of five bets, and just make some make some coin. Let it, let it accumulate slowly but yeah. surely. Um, yeah. What do you? Uh, so of the teams that we've talked about, who do you think is is the team most likely, or maybe the teams most likely to be uh, making some noise? in October and November, you know, as, as the losses pile up for everybody else in the top 25, they continue to rise slowly, but surely. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously I, I think you're right. That Boise state is, has that potential. I, I, I could see Houston having that kind of potential, especially if you consider that they will have sort of this sex appeal with, with Ed Oliver and and I thought it was exciting, cool, whatever to hear Major Applewhite saying that yeah we're gonna like we're gonna put him on offense, we're gonna we're gonna use him all over the field and and basically try to showcase him and and sort of try to win him the Heisman. It sounded like um, and hey like that's that's great let's do it and like they've got a they've got a you know Arizona is a non conference that gives them some a little bit of punch but it's still a very winnable game so i could see them if they get off to and, and texas tech so if, if they get off to like a 4-0 start beating arizona and texas tech suddenly they're in you know the top 25 probably and well, hey that was the one thing that kept ucf climbing. down last year is they had no power five wins if houston's out here toting two power five wins and an undefeated 8-0 record they could be in the mix, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Only to lose I, I, at Memphis. 
Yeah. So who who's, who who you got? Boise, Boise, I guess. Yeah, I think Boise beats yeah, Oklahoma I, 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 State. Boise's the safest pick. Yeah. Boise's absolutely the safest pick. Um, it's not going to be FAU though. That's my big takeaway. Uh yeah, I don't think so. I could be wrong. But Lane, Lane has proven people wrong before. <laughs> uh, he has. All right. When uh, when we get back together, you want to do just how, how many locks do you want to trot out there? What do you think's fair? Five or three minimum, no maximum, like we uh, like we do for the regular locks. Yeah, that works. Okay. Three minimum, no max, and um, yeah, th- these should be. There is. 100 what 129 129 money making opportunities we should we should find three to five absolute stone cold no can't miss just take it to the bank picks all right so i'm I'm, I'll be ready. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll reach out to Tom Fernelli. We'll get him into, uh, that'll be there. So make sure that you subscribe. So you, you don't even have to worry about it. It gets delivered right to your phone. Bang. Five-star content right there. Rate us five stars. That would be awesome. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve.